Welcome to the Matt Burrell Sermons Podcast, where we connect the gospel to modern life. Enjoy interesting, relevant, gospel-driven sermons each week. Now, here is your host, Matt Burrell. How many of you remember my friend, what his name is? This is Carl. Somebody told me the other day in the convenience store, preacher, I've been listening to you preach online, and man, what kind of fish is Carl? I said, he's, he's not real. Carl's a rubber fish. And they said, oh, I can't tell from online. But Carl is not real. No fish have been injured in the sermon illustration here at Liberty. So he is not a real fish. But Carl, if you've never been to service, represents Christians. This is Carl. He's your average church-going Christian, and this bowl that Carl was in represents his Christian experience. This is everything that Carl thinks serving God really is, and Carl thinks he's swimming around the ocean. We've been challenging our church to get out of your normal, to get out of your comfort level, and get in the deep water, right? That's what we've been challenging them. That's what, get in the deep water. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this sermon may be less popular than the ones I've preached. But we all promise to smile, like clap, say amen stuff anyway, even if you don't like it. I have a problem with self-esteem. It would help me if y'all would act like you're enjoying it. We've been preaching about Carl for three weeks, and the first thing we said about Carl is it's time for Carl to get out of this and follow Jesus for real. Quit acting like you're a fish and actually be a fish and get out in the deep water. You mean we're saying, Christians, it's time for you to quit swimming around in your church life and actually get out of the bowl and follow Jesus Christ for real. We preached. Then last week, I challenged Carl to get out of this and to go deeper in our spiritual lives. We said that most Christians don't read their Bible, don't pray. They think going to church is enough. 28-minute sermon a week, man, woo, serving God. And last week we challenged you to go deeper than that, to actually step out and go deeper in your spiritual life. Now today, I want to challenge you as a Christian to quit being a consumer and start going deeper in your Christian service. Now what's a consumer? Somebody that takes, but never what? Never produces, only does what? Takes. You see, Carl, the average Christian, is just like that. The average Carl in this world is merely a consumer of the church. Let me just say it to you this way. Carl wants the church to meet his needs. Carl says, I want the church to meet my needs. Carl wants the church to meet his schedule. And if it's outside of his schedule, well, he just can't be a part of it. Carl wants the church to minister to his family, and Carl wants the whole church to be about his preferences and what he wants. Everybody with me? Because after all, this is all Carl knows, and he wants this to be all about Carl. How many of you realize the average church member wants the church to be all about them? I told you, it's, good. it's not good. Carl may want a position of authority in the church, but Carl does not want to do anything. 
And Carl's favorite hobby is to come to church on Sunday and then go home and criticize everybody that's working at the church and talking about the job they could have done if they'd have done it his way. I've noticed that most people know the right way to do something but never want to do it. And Carl doesn't mind letting people know when the church doesn't fit what he wants. He doesn't mind. Doesn't bother him at all. And I'm afraid that the church is full of a lot of Carl's. We want the world to revolve around us. And we really don't care how that affects anybody else. Now, take your Bible, and I want you to look at Matthew chapter 20. And I want you to realize today, church, it's time that the church realize that we exist to serve one another and our community, and we are to minister and serve and not consume. That's what God's brought us about. Now, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to read verses 20 through verses 28. Jesus is doing a lot of things in his life. Jesus has just gotten done talking about how he's going to die on the cross and go back to heaven. He's talked about a lot of things. He's been healing people and working with people and doing this. And all of a sudden, he gets this interruption. Somebody comes to him with this question that is like crazy and interrupts Jesus' day. Now, I want you to read this with me, and, and I promise it, it might be a little abrasive today a little bit, but it's not me, it's Jesus, okay? All right, I want you to look at verse 20 with me. Verse 20 says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it was prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we ask you, Lord, that you'd help us as we preach. God, you would make your word speak to our heart. God, you would help the church to realize that it's not about us, but it's about how we can serve others. How that we can minister and make a difference in the world. God, help us to serve in a deeper way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you know this story, but the story is really simple. These two guys who were disciples of Jesus. Jesus had how many disciples? Twelve. Are y'all, wait, how many do you have? Twelve. 
12. Okay, good. He had 12. And the Bible says that two of them went and got their mom and said, Hey, mom, we want you to talk to Jesus for us. And he says, What do you want me to talk to Jesus for you for? He said, I want you to go and ask Jesus if we can sit on his right hand and on his left hand in the kingdom. That's a big question. The kingdom of God is coming, and when it gets here, what? We want to be sitting on your right hand and on your left hand. Like, is that a crazy question? I know what Jesus was thinking, but Jesus wouldn't smack them. Jesus wasn't really thrilled about this question. He begins to rebuke them a little bit, but I want you to notice four things about this passage. Four things about this, package I want, uh, this passage I want you to see, and the first one I want you to see is this, that this is the first case of church politics. Two disciples want to be in charge above the other ten. Now, if you've been in church very long, you understand what church politics is. Shake your head if you know what I'm talking about when I say church politics. Church politics is that where somebody wants to do something and be important in the church. And the Bible says that they came to him. They said, hey, we want to sit on your right hand on your left hand. Jesus says, I can't do that. And then what happened to the other ten disciples? The Bible says, and when the ten heard it, what? They were moved with indignation. So you had two disciples trying to get power, and you had ten disciples that were mad. Does that sound like any churches you've ever been in your life? Some people wanted the power, and the other people were mad. Church politics. If you've never been around church politics, it's the worst thing in the world. It is the thing that hurts the church the most. It is the thing that drives people away from church. When I meet most people who quit going to church, it wasn't because Jesus did anything to them. It was everybody else in the church that did something to them. Somebody say amen if you've been through that. And in this politics that's going on, and this politics is people jockeying for position and people wanting power in the church and people wanting titles in the church. And by the way, why do we have to have a title to serve God in the church? You see, it's quiet in here. You know why it's quiet in here? Because some of you want a title. You want a title so they'll put you in the bulletin on the website, but your name put that you're the chief supervisor over such and such at the church. And friend, I want to say this to you. God is not for church politics ever at all. And ever. Let me tell you, any kind of politics that's in church, the devil brought those in. The devil drug them in. The devil made them mad. The devil brought the envy. The devil wants the power. And friend, understand this. Church politics ain't right today, and they'll never be right in the future. God hates politics in church. How many people realize that everybody wants to be somebody? You ever notice that? Everybody wants to be somebody. And if you can't be somebody, guess what you want? You want to be next to somebody that is somebody. It's just how it works. And in the church, it's no different. People jockey for these positions and this authority. And these two men say, God, Jesus, you know, we, when the kingdom gets here, we want to be up top with you. And the other ten's like, what makes you more important than us? pretty good question by the way they said man we want the top and I want you to see Jesus the second thing Jesus says here Jesus he, he acknowledges that there is a status quo in the world notice what he says he says this but Jesus called unto them and said you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority 
You know what he's saying? I know the world works like that. How many of you realize the world works like that? You got a boss, you know what I'm talking about. He says, hey, come to work today. You come to work today, he pays you, right? You don't come to work, he don't pay you. You know why? He's in charge. He's the boss. And sometimes you don't have to like the boss, but guess what the boss is? Still the boss. You ever know a guy at work that's worthless, won't do anything, but him and the boss are friends? Is it right? No, but it's the way it is, ain't it? And Jesus, he acknowledges this. He says, I know that the world operates in this schedule of the people in power get to give power to other people and you rule over people and you have authority. I understand that, but that's not the way it works in the church. It's not the way it works in the church. I policed for 13 years. You know what happens when you have a lieutenant you don't like? You lump it. You know what happens when you have a sergeant you can't stand? You go to work with him. I remember when I was on shift, we had to, in the wintertime, we had to wear neckties. You had to wear neck, long sleeve shirts, neckties. There was a certain day that it would change, and it didn't matter if it was 90 degrees. When it changed, you put on long sleeves and a necktie. And I can remember going to work. I was a sergeant, guys below me. Man, why we got to wear this stupid necktie? I said, because the chief said so. If the chief calls tonight and says, we're all wearing pink tomorrow night, you know what that means? We're all wearing pink tomorrow night. Why? Because he's the chief and I'm the Indian. <laughs> he's in charge and I got to do what he says. And in the world, that's the way it works. You know, you work for people, they're in charge. It's the way it's always been. But in Jesus' day, it was starting to creep into the church. You had the high priest. And then you had all the priests. And then you had the Sanhedrins. And then you had the Pharisees. And then you had the rabbis. And then you had all you little people. And you know, that's how the church can get that way. Where it's us and them. People who are in big, important places. And the rest of us. And I want to tell you this today, church. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus said, I know that's how they live. I know that's the status quo. They got the power. You got to do what they say. You lead with authority and you lead with a rod of iron. That's not how it is in the church. Sometimes people come to me and say, Preacher, so-and-so is doing a terrible job at that such-and-such. And I say, well, you know, they're having a hard time. They're busy with this, whatever. And you know what people say? I say, what do you think I ought to do? They say, you ought to fire them. I say, well, you know they don't work here, right? So you want me to go to somebody who's volunteering their time showing up to do this, and you ain't go in there and go, hey, you ain't doing good enough. Get out of here. I said, you can do that at work. You can't do that at the church. Sometimes people want to run the church the way they do in the business world. You can't do it. What happens when I run that person off? I fire them from their job I wasn't paying them from. Well, they don't just leave their little job in the church. What do they do? They quit coming to church. And if they're not, if we're not, if they're not very uh, deep Christians, they'll just quit going to church at all. You can't run the church the way you run the world. Fire a guy that's getting doing his job for free. But I want you to see this. Jesus says, I know that's the way they do it in the world. I want you to know this radical change Jesus brings.
let me, let me get this right. If you want to be great, you got to be what? A minister. If you want to be the chief, you got to be a what? Servant. Now, I police for a long time. Like I said, we always had the chief. Chief's in charge, right? Can you imagine me going to the chief? Hey, chief, you won't be my chief until you serve me. Get out there and wash my car. How well would that go over? I'd be that far, you're fired, get out of here thing. You understand, but here's the thing. In God's economy, in God's economy, you are not great in the kingdom unless you serve and minister to somebody. Oh, it, it's quiet in here. But I want you to get this today, and I want you to understand this, and I really want you to get this, that if you're going to be great, you must minister, and if you'll be chief, you must serve somebody. Church, I want to say this to you. God wants you to serve somebody. But Carl don't want to serve anybody. Why? It's all about him. I'm going to come down there because y'all ain't going to like it, but I'm coming down there. You understand that God wants you to do something and serve somebody in his kingdom. I want you to think about this. Most people rate their church experience and their church status, you might say, based on things like this. Are y'all ready? Here's Carl. I've been in this church for 25 years. My granddaddy put the steeple on the building. You know what that makes you? Nothing. Come on now, listen to me. What does that mean? Nothing. The question would be, who do you serve and how do you minister at the church? You understand, it doesn't matter how long you've been at the church. If you're not serving or ministering to somebody, watch this, you are nothing in the kingdom. Nothing. But you could be going to this church for two weeks. Two weeks. Not know anybody in the room but if you are serving and ministering to somebody, guess what you are? You are great in the kingdom of God. It's quiet here. I understand this to be great. You've got to do what? Serve. Minister. And I know what some of you did. And, and please, y'all, don't, don't, please don't get too upset. Here's what some of you did. Well, I, I come to church. How many of you realize coming to church is not ministering or serving? Who is coming to church for? You. Nobody gets anything out of you being here. Can I tell you how? Somebody thought that was funny because you know I'm in trouble. I'm going to get a bad email. <laughs> you know how most Christians view their church attendance? Here's how it is. I'm going to go down to Liberty Church today, and I'm going to bless everyone with my presence. <laughs> Those people should be grateful that they get to go to church with me. Because I could go anywhere I want to go. But I bless them with my presence. I'm here, church can start. But the question is, if you're to be great in the kingdom, where are you serving in the church? You say, I got a small group. Who's small group for? It's for you. It's called consuming again. Preacher, I tithe, and you should. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, I just want to make sure it gets quiet when you say money. 
But you're not you're not serving anybody by putting money in the plate. Somebody go be let's go let's go boss some of you. you. You know what you're doing? You're simply giving back to God what He already gave you. Amen. That's not serving God. It's just dropping in money. The Pharisees used to do that. They throw it in the offering plate. See, that's that's you returning back to God what you God gave you. That's what tithing is. What is service? It is when you are doing something for somebody in some way to make their life better. It's quiet in here. Let me tell you, some of y'all work in the nursery. Bless your heart. I can go out that side door and come by the nursery, hear the baby's crying, and I start sweating, Ken. I'm telling you right then. It just, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to die. I can't even make it by the door. Some of y'all go in there and you love them babies, and you go, preacher, what I do don't matter. What you've done is you've allowed a family to drop their child off so they can come here and with no distraction hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are great in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, but nobody knows who I am, and nor should they. Amen. But Jesus knows who you are. You know, this is how how serious we are about people serving. How many of you realize we got a pastor named James Lingerfeld? He is the connection pastor. His only job is to find you a place to serve. It's the only thing he does. If you go back to that table over there at the end of the service, you go, Pastor James, I want something to do. You know what he's going to do? I got you. You know why we don't go to that table? Because he's got something for us to do. We didn't, I, I don't mean today. I mean, I want to serve the Lord now. You know, I just want you to know there's people, there's people. There's, you, you, don't, you, you, don't even think, you don't think about this, but there are people that after every service, we put out five, there's 500 connection cards in this room because there's 500 chairs. Between services, after the first service is over, in that 30-minute window, people have to go through and put out 500 cards and put them where they're missing. Put them where they're so I know what y'all are thinking. Y'all thought that was like a Jesus thing. Woo, Jesus done put all the connection cards back out. No, somebody did that. They're serving you. Somebody made the coffee. Somebody put cream in a thing with a little screwy lid that you can't hardly get off. Somebody put cups out, stirs. Somebody ordered all that just because they want to serve. You know, this is crazy, but last Sunday, was it last Sunday or Sunday before? So two Sundays ago, we had the Lord's Supper. Think about this. Somebody had to go through and put 500 juice cups and bread in these, in these chairs. And the between services do what? Go get all the ones that are, need to be thrown away and do what? Put out all the rest of them. You know what that is? That's somebody serving you. You say, preacher, I don't know who they are. And you shouldn't, but go this. Jesus knows who they are. You know why? Because he said if you'll be great, it'll only be because you serve. There's a statistic, and I, I don't believe it's true about Liberty Church, but I believe it's true nationally, that only 10% of the members of the, of the church group do 100% of the work. Now, I don't believe that's quite accurate here, but I will say this. Shame on the church if we allow that to be the case. We claim to be great Christians, yet don't fulfill the one thing that he said. If you're going to be great, you must serve. Now, I want you to do this in your mind, and this is kind of hard. The first worship didn't like this at all. I'm just praying that y'all are closer to Jesus. 
I want you to think about, no, not that slide. I want you to think about this. I want you to take a piece of paper one day, and I want you to mentally do this. I want you to make a scale. And at the top of the paper, I want you to write, great in the kingdom of Jesus. The top. And I want you to put down on the bottom, nothing in the kingdom of Jesus. That's the scale. I'm a nothing in the kingdom of Jesus, or I'm great in the kingdom of Jesus. And then I want you to challenge, and I don't want you to do it right here, but I want you to, in your mind, begin to write down on each line the things and the people that you serve and minister to and find the gauge of where you are on the scale of great in the kingdom of God and nothing in the kingdom of God. And list, who do I minister to and serve? You see, it's a wake-up call to Matt Braille when he looks in the mirror and says, who do I actually serve? The question for every person would be, if Matt Burrell died, what would be missing? Not, not me. My wife would miss me, of course. My kids would miss me, of course. But would the community even recognize I was gone because what I did was missing? Anybody with me? Because the question is, if you're not doing anything, would you really be missed by anybody other than your family? There should be a hole and a void left every time a Christian dies. Where people go, man, that dude contributed so much, we didn't even realize how much until he was gone. You see, serving people is the greatest thing a Christian can do. Yet, if we're not careful, consuming as Christians is all we'll ever do. But let me give you this last thing. It's time for the slide. They do an awesome job, y'all. Can you imagine trying to follow me and listen? It's crazy. I can't believe they can even do it. But I want you to see this. Jesus didn't say, Matt, you be a servant to people and you minister to people. He didn't do that. Well, he did that, but that's not all he did. Notice what it says here in verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. See, Jesus didn't just say, Matt, serve people. What did he do? He served people. I want to challenge you. You take your Bible sometime and you just do this. You try to find me a place in the New Testament where Jesus was, ta was taking care of hand and foot in the Gospels. But I tell you what you will find. You'll feed him feeding the 5,000. You'll find him feeding the 4,000. You'll find him going around and healing people. You'll find him walking on water, common seas, ministering to people, loving on people, visiting on people, caring for people, giving to people. That's all his life was about, was ministering to people. And then when he got done with all of it, he died and gave his life. Jesus' life consisted of ministering and serving and giving. You know what we all miss in the gospel? Every one of us missed this. Unless you grew up a certain way, you probably never thought about this in your life. But Jesus spends his whole life serving people. In John 4, he went to preach to the woman at the well, and he skipped lunch while the men went to eat. They come back, and he said, no, no, I'm good, I'm ministering. We, we miss that. But at the end of his life, he gets down there to the end. The Bible says he tells his disciples, hey, get us a room so we can eat the Passover meal. And they do. And we always picture, you know, you walk in and it's like a restaurant, right? How many of you realize somebody had to prepare the Passover meal? Had to prepare it, get it ready. Jesus preparing it for his disciples. 
And then if you notice, the Bible says that Jesus served the disciples this Passover meal. And then we always skip forward to the Lord's Supper, don't we? We jump over and say, and then he took bread, and he took wine, and he... But that's not what happened, is it? The Bible says that if Jesus got done eating the Passover meal and he got ready to prepare to take the Lord's Supper, the Bible says that the King of Glory got up from the table. He went over here, and he took his robe off, and he took a towel, and he wrapped it around him, and he got a bowl of water, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. He started with Peter and John, the disciple that he loved, and James. And he went down the line and he washed these disciples' feet one by one. And he dried them with that towel. And he even, as he got down here to Judas, who he knew would betray him, he washed his feet as well. Then he went and sat down and served them the Lord's Supper. You see, Jesus' life was about ministering to people. The Bible says that Jesus didn't have a house. Jesus only, as we know of, had one robe. Jesus didn't have any place that he could lay his head. He walked everywhere he went. He had nothing while he was there. Why? Because Jesus was in it for the people. He wasn't in it for a title. He wanted to serve, and then he wanted to give his life for you and I. And church... If we're to be real Christians, we'll be serving somebody. And if you're not serving somebody, don't tell me, oh, oh, oh I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a devoted Christian. I'm devoted. You see, Carl is only concerned about what's in here and what affects him. If Carl died, 90% of people wouldn't even know he's dead because he's never done anything anybody and church it ought not be that way with us there ought not ever be a need that we don't meet last week I, I think it was last week I get confused Joe I'm, I might have my mind's leaving I don't know old, I got Alzheimer's disease it was last week we we had a, a need family that needed to be moved and need their house got to get out terrible terrible circumstances they need help I get on Facebook hey we need some help Friday at I don't know what time nine People show up. Go over there. Man, they load them up and they move them. You say, well, I didn't even know who it was. I didn't know it happened. But, man, it happened. God's people showed up and met a need and served. And, church, I want to challenge you today. How are you serving Jesus Christ? How are you serving the people around you? How are you ministering to make a difference in people's lives around you? If you're not serving... You are nowhere headed toward the greatness that God wants for you in the kingdom of God. You must get busy serving Jesus Christ, finding a way to work toward helping someone. We just had the privilege to baptize two people between services. And the Brother James was back there baptizing them. But, and and when, when there's so much that goes into that. Baptism has to be filled up. You ever fill up something that takes 600 gallons? It takes a while. You've got to heat that up. You've got to have towels for them. You've got to have chairs put out. You've got to swap over between the kids' world and, and you do it. You know how it happens? People serving. See, everything that happens in the church is a result of somebody saying, hey, I'll be a minister. I'll be a servant. I want to serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And church, I want you to find your place 
serving Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you today. God, we ask you to, to challenge our hearts. God, take away, take away our pride that wants to climb the church political ladder. God, take away our pride that causes us to feel more important than other people. God, help us to follow the example of Jesus, to get up and to serve others, to minister to other people, to make a difference in someone else's life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Church, I want to challenge you to the bottom of your feet this morning. Serve God and serve others in your life. Get off that pride and get off that, that ego and look for someone that you can make a difference in their life and find a place and a purpose in the church where you can say, I am going to serve somebody. I'm going to minister to somebody. After all, it's the greatest aspiration a Christian can have. Servant. Father, embolden our people. God, help them to make a decision to serve you today. To walk in your... Thanks for listening to another episode of the Matt Burrell Sermons Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with another sermon. See you soon.